Welcome to the 180 Podcast. You are listening to a teaching of the 180, a new church committed to learning to love Jesus and love like Jesus. Our prayer is that God would use this teaching to help you grow closer to Him and that you would feel moved to join us in person, where you can grow in community with the larger 180 family. Bienvenue à la balado-diffusion de l'Église 180. Vous écoutez un enseignement de l'Église 180, une nouvelle Église qui s'est engagée à apprendre à aimer Jésus et à aimer comme Jésus. Notre prière est que Dieu utilisera cet enseignement afin de vous aider à vous rapprocher de Lui et que cela vous donne envie de vous joindre à nous en personne où vous pourrez vous épanouir au sein de la communauté qu'est la grande famille de l'Église 180. Uh, it's so good to be together. My name is Dominic. If we haven't met, wow, what a joy for me. Uh, not only do I get to like lead our church and work with a great team, but these are the times in the year where I think I'm just encouraged that all the things that God has brought us through this year, and maybe for you that's kind of new, like church that we would gather all the time, that we would do this, but we're really, really committed to continue to call people like yourself, just normal people, regular people in the struggle, in life, to make sense of life and to think about how maybe faith in God spirituality, questions about the Bible, questions about Christmas at this time of year, maybe intersect with our lives. And so this morning, I just want to begin by just telling you that I know that at this time of year, many of us have different traditions and practices. Maybe for some of you, your Christmas is coming up in a few days. Maybe it already happened. Some of you are like, I just finished eating for days and I'm sleeping right now, whatever. I think I need the lights a bit up here. But uh, I, I just think that sometimes we can think about all the things that are going on. And we have certain traditions in our family One of those traditions is my wife, every year, I'm on, on guard against my wife trying to trick me to watch those cheesy Christmas movies. Any of you married to someone like that? And they're like, it's not, it's not the same. It's going to be different this year. It's never different. It's fake snow, fake people, annoying shows. I never watch them. And, and we have these things where we're on guard against something. Maybe some of you are on guard against someone who shows up at every Christmas and they're kind of awkward. You're like, ah, I can't really do it. I can't hear one more joke. That's weird. Or maybe you're on guard against some food that somebody brings It's the casserole from the ant, and everybody says it's good, but you all know it sucks. And you're like, you're on guard. So you're just like, I'm not, I'm not sure. I know at this time of year, there's people who are on guard against somebody inviting them to church. You're just on guard. You're like, ah, religious people this time of year, they invite you to church, and they ask you for their money, and then it gets all weird. I feel guilty. I know so many people, they think of Christmas, they think of church, they're like, I want none of that. If you're here this morning... And you kind of took that courageous step to be here. I just want to tell you, we understand. We understand that sometimes it's weird to show up at church and to be here and to connect and to be like, I don't really know anyone. I don't have a Bible. So let me just tell you, if you don't have a Bible or you don't know this Christmas story, we're just so happy you're here and we would love to give you one. We would love to just help you take just a little step to understanding this story better. Because I know a lot of times in my life, the things that I set a guard up against in my heart usually also keep me from all the things I want to avoid but they also sometimes keep me from the things that God wants to show me. Our guards usually are a reflection of the things that hurt us. Maybe somebody did something to us and we have great excuses for why we have a guard up. We have a great story for why that person in my family, I never want to see them again. You maybe have a great reason for why you have your guard up. But this Christmas, I'm going to invite you to do something. I'm going to invite you to maybe slowly consider that God is asking you to put your guard down as we look at a group of people in the Christmas story that have every reason to have their guard up every reason to realize that there's something about the story that doesn't connect. And God invites us to follow them and to listen to how they meet the Jesus who's born in a manger and people can't believe that he's not only like a special child. This is the divine one. He is God 
with us as a child. This is like mind-blowing for people. This morning I want to do that by taking you on a journey with a group of people we often call the Magi. Some of you maybe heard of the Magi, you maybe read a bit of the story, you maybe saw a TV show. The Magi are this unique group of people in the biblical story that we know just a little bit about. And what we know about them is that when they come, actually, they're, the reason I kind of like them, it's like my favorite reason, is that they're the last ones to show up at the manger. I know some of you maybe have a manger scene and you have like Magi there, just to tell you like they're not really with Jesus when he's just in the manger, right? They actually show up to see Jesus and when they get to Jesus, Jesus is in a house. So scholars believe it probably takes about a year, if not two years, for the Magi to find where Jesus is. Some of you are like, oh no, I've been lying about Christmas my whole life. But don't worry about it, it's going to be okay, it's going to be okay. But the Magi, actually, they're the last ones. And what also I love about them is these, these Magi, as they make their way to look for Jesus, they have so many good questions. They have so many, like, thoughts. They're following a star. They're not sure if they're in the right place. They're a little bit lost. I mean, they remind me of me. For years, I think that was so much of my story. Very few people in my family went to church. I was learning about God, and I always felt like there's maybe something more, and I wanted to connect purpose in life with faith in God, and I wanted to pass that on to my family at some point, and I didn't know what to do, and every time I read the Magi, I'm like, I think these guys, I would have liked these guys. Also, I don't want to really scare you, but there's not three Magi in the Bible, okay? The Bible just tells us that there are Magi, and they bring through, there's these three gifts, so oftentimes we think because there's three gifts, there's only three of them. There's actually more than three. Nobody in the ancient world is traveling with really expensive gifts with just three guys, Okay, so there's like some security and big shot people and all this stuff. There's stuff. There's stuff going around. So they're traveling. And the Bible invites us to kind of go with them as they look for Jesus. And for you this morning, maybe this is a fresh thing that God's going to teach you to maybe just be open to what we get to learn. And I want to read for you just the beginning of where we start to hear about the Magi entering the story. This is what we're told. That after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, these Magi from the east came to Jerusalem. <coughs> I love this picture because it's a picture that, I mean, helps me to realize that by the time the Magi get to Jesus, he's already born and he's in a home and they've been traveling. And the Bible wants us to know that they're wrestling with some questions and what they've done is they've been traveling and they feel the weight of what it means to get to this person that they think is going to be a very special person. Now, I, I know the word Magi is weird. Like, I thought about this when I was preparing. I can't remember using the word Magi at all in 2023. Any of you? 2023, anybody's like, hey, you want to go for coffee? Hear about the Magi? Anybody do that? It doesn't know. It's weird, right? It's like a word that just shows up like right now. And if you get it, if you go to church and then it's like, well, I'll see you next December. You know, it's like a weird word. Like it's hard to understand. So what I want to do is I want to give you three other words that will help us understand who these Magi are. If you have a Bible, actually, different translations will use these different words. That they're like these wise men. Maybe you heard that word. The three wise men. Some translations use that or astrologers. There are these travelers who study the stars, they study the planets, and they're, they're starting to realize that all of their calculations are saying something that they've never seen before. So this is interesting. Or another word is a stargazer. I don't really like that word, by the way, but some people use it. Because stargazing in our culture means, like if I tell my kids that you're always in the stars, it's not something positive, it's something negative. Parents, yeah? It means you're lost, okay? It means stop, pay attention, right? So in a sense, like these are the different ways, but what's so important, I want you to remember this. That the Magi come from the East. That's important. It's really, really important that we understand that they've traveled a far way and they've come to a place called Jerusalem. 
They've been traveling for a long time. And for Magi to come from the East means they've come from a place where there's all kinds of teachings and beliefs and religions and gods. And they're getting to the place where all of their calculations are showing them something they have to have the courage to admit. You know what it is? Something that I would struggle with. That all of our calculations and everything that we're looking at and everything we've been studying shows us that the hope of the world and possibly this new king who's going to change the world is not coming from the east. He's actually already in Jerusalem. You know how much courage it takes to admit that everything that you know maybe is not enough? You know how much courage it takes to admit that everything you've studied and everything that you think you know is not going to be enough to get you to the things that God has for you this year? Have you ever tried to tell somebody that they're wrong when, they're, when they believe something? Have you ever tried to tell someone, you know, this is really good and this makes a lot of sense, but maybe it's not enough. Maybe we're missing something. These people have spent their whole life studying everything and they're like, so the star is not going to be here in the east? We have to go look for the star somewhere else? Come on, it can't be. If you ever try to tell somebody that they're wrong or maybe they don't have the whole picture, oh my goodness, I know people, you tell them that it's over. Try it at Christmas. (laughs) Try it with somebody in your family. As you're eating, you tell them, make fun of their car. Hey, your car, it's not as good as my car. They'll lose it. I know some people, you tell them that like they're maybe a little bit wrong or there's another culture somewhere that's better than our culture. Oh no, let me tell you. Let me, my zeal, my aunt. Okay, relax, relax. There's something about us that we never know how to admit that maybe even what we know now won't be enough to get us to the things that God has for us. The Magi represent this group of people who have the humility to say, there's got to be something more. None of this really makes sense. We're going to go on this trip, and they travel this place in Jerusalem, and it would have been so strange to see these foreigners that don't look like they're from Jerusalem just show up. They show up, and they're looking for this king, and the Bible tells us that they start to meet some people along the way. It's so profound. This is what we're told next. They asked, great question, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. This would have been such a shocking thing to hear if you were on that first Christmas. So crazy that people who are not Jewish have come to worship the king of the Jews. You know, when I was growing up and I learned about God and I started to read the Bible, it was always weird for me because I was like, it seems like a lot of the Bibles, like the God of Israel, the people of the Holy Land, this, and I'm like, I'm not any of those things. So why is this about me? I don't care. I mean, I can be friendly. And all of a sudden at Christmas, there's this moment where the Magi become those who show us that the Jesus who's about to be born, this child, is a God not just for the Jewish people, but he's a God who's drawing the kings and the nations and the rulers of the world to himself. And this king belongs more than just to the Jews. And these magi, these astrologers, they come with all their questions, and they have questions, and they meet people who don't have a clue what they're doing. They have these clues. They're like, okay, we have a few clues. Okay, well, there's a star. Okay, that we'll tell you that much. There's a star. And then there's like a new king. Is it a new king here? You guys see a new king? So let me just give you three words. If we were playing like a game like Clue or some game at Christmas, some cheesy game your family plays at Christmas, right? Right? Bingo, whatever, I don't know. Here are like three words that you would have like as clues. You're like, okay, new king, got that. Worship, that's weird. We know how to respect the king, but we don't worship kings. We worship God. You came here to worship the new king? That can't be good. And the next thing, they came to a special place called Jerusalem. They figure like the star is connected to this. This is so special for us to feel in this story. That this child who's being born is not just special. He's not going to be just a good teacher. He's not going to be friendly to people who are poor. All those great things are fine. 
but he's one who's a king who people must learn to worship now. And the most unexpected thing happens that those who come almost at the end, the most unexpected people who are ready to worship are not even Jewish. What? And they've come to people who are Jewish and they're not ready at all. You know why? Because they ignored Advent. They didn't prepare. They didn't pray. They didn't plan. They didn't watch. I think about what it would have been like to see these magi traveling for like a year, for months. I think about if I would have met them on the way. Met them as they traveled. And they said to me, hey, we're, we're like following that star. We're not sure. Have you heard of a new king? Why, why, do you need to, why do you need a new king? What are you looking for? Well, based on our calculations, it's going to be weird for you because we're smart and you're not. Okay, is that this star is revealing to us that there's a king who's more than a king. And we have some gifts for him and we've come to worship him. I think for so many of us, it would be so weird. You know what I would probably say to them? Maybe you would worship him. But don't worry about it. God is everywhere. Just worship him in your heart. It's going to be fine. Just don't worry about it. It's going to be good. You're spending money and time and to travel to go find God somewhere? Don't. It's not a big deal. God just knows your heart. Just stop right here, turn around, and go back home. They would have been like, what? We've turned worship into such a gimmick in our culture that worship is about how we feel if we're having a good day. The Magi are the people who remind us that there's something about worship at Christmas. There's something about being able to say, come, let us adore him. That requires us to believe, yes, that we do have a God that can meet us anywhere. But that God who meets us anywhere calls us somewhere. And he calls us somewhere. And the Magi realize that real worship, if this is the real king, will require sacrifice, will require inconvenience, will require surrender. And we're looking for him. Do you know where he is? I would have been like, what a waste. How long have you guys been traveling? Think about your own life. I feel this in my own life, how easy it is to be like, anything that's inconvenient, I can justify my way out of it. I have to help a bit, change my schedule. Show up every Sunday for church, are you kidding me? Little things, they drive us crazy. These magi are traveling and they're traveling and they represent for us this profound moment of these people who are outsiders, people who we never expected to show up, who are bringing together that there's a new king and that he must be worshiped if he's the one that they think he is. And maybe for you this year, that's like a new idea. It's a new idea for you at Christmas to think about, wow, I love the tree and I love the traditions and I love some of the moon, but worship, like how do I do that? It's a great question. The Magi, like they have that question. Like is this the place, Jerusalem, here? And what's crazy about the Bible is it tells us the people they are about to meet are people who have ruined worship. There are people who are not ready to worship and there are people who have found a way to pretend worshiping God, and they get, they're so good at it. You probably already picked up the name of one of the people who's very, very important. His name is King Herod. King Herod would have been the most annoyed about all of this. He'd be like, listen, if you're King Herod, you're thinking, I don't know what king of the Jews you're looking for, but I'm the king of the Jews. Like, I'm already here. But he doesn't say that. He's actually way more sly. Nobody becomes like in this place of leadership without some manipulation skills. If you want to know anything about Herod, or if you want to hold this in your mind, you know, we as a church are committed to helping people grow and understand the Bible better, so this will help you, is that in the ancient world, there was an empire called the Roman Empire, and the Roman Empire had an emperor. He was the top of the top, at the echelon. The emperor had a special name. They called him the Son of God. And because the Romans didn't like dealing with all the peasant people in Rome, they would hire client kings. Herod is one of those. And they would manage people in certain areas. And Herod was great at managing the people because he kept 
things under control, and the Romans loved him. They're like, this guy's the best. Can you imagine these magi show up? And Herod hears this, and he's like, I get paid to shut these things down. And all of a sudden, he decides, you know, what are we going to do? Like, I should figure this out, and he has a plan. Because he doesn't know anything about worship, because he doesn't care about where the new king is, because he doesn't care about the magi at all. He's like, let me just figure some stuff out. I pay a lot of people to figure this stuff out for me. So he's like, let me get the religious leaders around to kind of tell us what's going on. This is what it says. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all of Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, they studied the scriptures of Israel, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judea, the prophet has written. This moment in the story where Herod realizes, wait a second, this doesn't make any sense. And there's a word in this passage that you'll, you'll, you won't hear in any Christmas song, you won't see it in any movie, but it's always there and every Christmas I read it and it jumps up on the page. That everybody at Christmas is very disturbed. Are you disturbed right now? I'm usually not. I'm like, I don't really care. I hope it's a good day. I hope I'm not tired. I hope nobody has any fight. But the Bible says, no, if this is the new king and this is the one that you need to worship, there's something about your life that's about to be disturbed. Everybody in the ancient world knows that a new king means new politics, new, and there's no elections. Kings are selected, people are killed, and things show up. And everybody, before they get to the joy part, are very disturbed. They're disturbed because maybe they remember the way Herod acted last time somebody thought they were king. They're disturbed maybe because they know the kind of person that Herod is when he doesn't get his own way. They're disturbed because they know that Herod is the king of the Jews but cares nothing about the God of the Jews. They know. The ancient Romans had this phrase that they used, this emperor of Rome used to have this phrase. It became very, very popular about how best to describe Herod. The one who's disturbed, the one who's annoyed, the one who just got an update about where this new baby is that nobody cares about. You know. and, and the ancient Roman emperor used to have this phrase. You'll see it on the screen. This is what he says. He said, it's better to be Herod's pig than son, was the phrase. Because Herod was so controlling that even when he heard of someone else trying to take control, he would assassinate them and have them killed. We know some stories that scholars believe are pretty accurate. That one of his many wives, he loved her so much that he couldn't imagine that if he left town one day that somebody else would maybe want to be with her or she would cheat on him. So he thought, you know how I could make sure that I don't worry about this? I could kill her before I leave. And he has her killed. Can you imagine that this is the world that Jesus, the Son of God, is about to enter? I meet people all the time. They're like, you know, you know, we were talking to some people before. Like, the world is really bad. We feel the brokenness around us. We feel the pain. But if we lived in the Bible times, we would be dealing with a whole other level of evil. A level of pain and suffering. And in that moment, God wants to show us something so beautiful that is a gift to us this Christmas. That a child who's come the little light that you understand now is about to break through this darkness. Do you believe that for your own life? Do you believe that all the painful things you're going to see, you're going to doom scroll for hours after your belly's full, and you're going to see all the problems in the world, and every time you see that, you would say to yourself, the light of the world is about to destroy this. There's no way that Jesus can be stopped. And to remind us of that, God decides in his infinite wisdom that if he's going to come, let's show up when Herod is king. Let's show up then. 
And Herod finally gets his answers. He's with the religious leaders. He's called a special meeting. He's called them all together. We have no idea about all the details of that meeting. I'm thinking Herod's looking at some of the religious leaders and saying, how come you didn't tell me earlier? Don't I pay you to figure this stuff out? We're going to kill you and we're going to kill you. And they're like, okay, listen, Herod, don't overreact. It's not a big deal. We have some good news. This new king, like child, whatever the Magi said, he's, he's going to be good. Like, where is he born? And, and you don't know this, but if you were a king and you heard of a new king coming in the Bible times, you'd be like, is he born in Egypt? Big countries, like big powerful nations. Is he born here in Jerusalem in the capital? Is he, okay, don't tell me the, the worst. Don't tell me he's born in Rome. If you say he's born in Rome, I'm killing you all right now. No, we have great news. He's born in Bethlehem. Bethlehem! <laughs> Bethlehem! This, is this new king is coming from Bethlehem. He's in Bethlehem. It's this moment in the story where we can miss the whole fact that for Herod, a new king from Bethlehem is like a cool person from the West Island. It doesn't happen. Some of you know, you know, some of you are sitting next to West Island people. They're halfway to Ontario and they like the Leafs sometimes. They're useless. You're online. We love you. Don't turn it off. Don't turn it off. But it's like we all have a reference point about some place that we know that's just like, come on. Like I grew up in St. Michel and the coolest people come from St. Michel. Some of you, no one, no one? <laughs> Every so often. I'm going to say my school, and you're going to boo me. Whatever, let's relax. But everybody in the Bible knows that if there's a king who's in Bethlehem, oh my goodness, what a waste of time. There's not Bethlehem, and there's a phrase that's going to be told even to Jesus as he grows up. What good can come from Nazareth? There's places, you know, when God does amazing things, he goes to the big show. It's Vegas. Showtime. Not this year. The one who's coming the one who's about to destroy all of darkness and is going to reveal that there's some among you that don't care to worship, he's in Bethlehem. And this is what we're told, that, that Herod, sneaky Herod, he's a pro, he's a pro at this. So he has a private meeting, special meeting. Then Herod called for a private meeting with the wise men. He told them, go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child. And when you find him, come back and tell, tell me so, so that I can go and worship him too. It's amazing. How long does it take the Magi to realize, guys, it feels fishy. I don't know if he means this. I don't know. This guy is sketchy. So the new king is born, and you're not coming with us? You're just going to send us to Bethlehem? I'm the Magi. I'm like, how, how, far? Like, how far is that? I'm like, you got, like, where is Bethlehem from here? Like, We're following a star. And to tell you the truth, every year I read this story, I'm like, if I was with the Magi, I would have quit a long time ago. You Jews don't have a clue what the heck is going on. You're not ready to worship. We've come to the start to Jerusalem. Now you tell us we have to go to Bethlehem. Like, we don't even know how far that is. I would have quit. But God stirs in these magi. The sense that I pray this year he stirs in you. That the things that would make you quit from going just the next step, the things that would keep you for just, just get to Bethlehem, because when you get there, you'll see. The things that God is preparing you for just in the next few weeks or the next months. Maybe you have your guard up and it makes sense to keep your guard up, but the Magi are going to just, they're going to listen, they're going to say, we have to go. I think about this every time I think about the moment when Herod tells the Magi secretly, we, we don't know all the reasons, but he's a good liar, so he's planning something. I often think about this question. Maybe you never thought about this question, so let me give you a question. Sometimes Christians are bad at asking questions. If you're not a Christian, you'll know that. We're about telling people all the answers, but we don't know how to ask questions. I always wonder, why didn't the star that the Magi are following go straight to Bethlehem? Like, that's kind of weird. Why did the star stop in Jerusalem, do a little chat, 
coffee break, pit stop, gas up, whatever, and then up again, then we'll go back to Bethlehem. Why not? It always drove me crazy. And this year I read the story and I read the story and I prayed and I looked at the story and something hit me that I think is important. Important for me and I think important for you. That the Magi needed to receive a gift from God that they could only learn by going to Jerusalem first. And that's that they needed to meet people who have all the writings of the prophets, have seen all the signs of God, call themselves Jews and are liars and pretenders and have never worshipped God. This is so important for us because so many of us, if all we meet are people who call themselves Christians, if all we meet are people who act like Herods, well, we're not as bad as Herod, but we can pretend that we have all, yeah, we're the prophets, we read the Bible, we give to church, we, we think that they become the example of what it's like to believe. But the Magi are going to learn that there's people who have everything and they've never learned what it means to worship Jesus as king. They're never going to be the ones who say, come, let's go and adore him. They're never going to do that. And maybe for you this year, you think of all the experiences you've had with God or church or faith, and you've met people like Herod. They act like Christians at Christmas. They say the nice thing. They pretend to care. They raise their hand. They give a bit of money to the church. But in their hearts, they've never surrendered to the king who's in that manger. Bethlehem. Bethlehem. Come on. See how bad the world is? See how bad the world is? You think some kid in Bethlehem is going to fix these problems? Maybe this year for you, God wants to give you something where you can surrender some of those stories, some of those painful examples, even maybe in your own life to say, you know what, it is true. If I want to live with the story of the past, I can live in that story. But maybe just like the Magi, you just won't quit and you'll just keep going because they're going to keep going. And as they keep going, they're going to meet somebody who's an example of somebody who's learning to really worship God. So the Bible tells us next. It's so beautiful. They went on their way and the star went ahead of them until it stopped over a place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. All along, I'm reading this story. All along, I'm praying. All along, I'm preparing this week, and I'm like, I would have quit uh, like a year ago. And I would have missed the most profound moment of the story where the Magi meet Mary and see the child and realize, wait a second, Herod and people like Herod are not the real example of how God is going to change the world. It's people like Mary and the, Joseph and all these people that they're going to meet in their journey. I wish we had the interaction of what Mary says to them. I love this word. Like it captures this moment where they're overjoyed. There's the star. There's the house. I thought about this. Like when's the last time you were overjoyed? When's the last time some of you were just happy? Do you know how anticlimactic tomorrow night is going to be in your life? Our kids opened some gifts last night, and it took them three minutes to open gifts. It took us three months to buy. I was like, oh, I hate this. There is no God. You know, like, it's brutal. You feel that in your culture. You're like, we do all this thing. It's all great. It's, it's Christmas is done. You know Christmas is done if you think Christmas is a day. The Bible teaches us that Christmas is not a day. It's a season. We're just getting started. And you get a chance with us. To not quit and not stop and not say, it's not about, like, it's the beauty and the blessing of living in a country where you have gifts and abundance and traditions. All that stuff is good. But it's not just about those things. You could miss so many things that God wants to give to you this year. And one of those things that God wants to give all of us is that deep sense of being really joyful, overjoyed with a sense of the good things that can come, even from the smallest things, even in Bethlehem. Maybe for you this year, you realize, I don't even know how to be happy, frustrated, I'm angry. What do you need God to, 
to heal in your life? What do you need God to heal in your marriage, in your home? Mary must be overjoyed that her and Joseph, who have very little, who are in this house now, are going to receive some gifts. And this is what we're told that the Magi, they bring these gifts. It says this, Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh, which is why we think there's usually three Magi. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. The Magi come with gifts, but God has gifts for them. The Magi are about to receive another gift that the Herod that they've been speaking to in Jerusalem is never going to be one who's able to slow down or stop the promises of God that are coming to us in the child they met in Bethlehem. Never. Maybe you need to be reminded of that this year. That no matter how many people you meet that pretend to be Christian, they pretend to be spiritual, they pretend to be into God, they are not the best examples of those who believe in the promises of God. Mary, she's an example of what it's like. When worship is not just, I feel that God is everywhere, but I'm ready to sacrifice and surrender and give back. I'm ready to not only give my vocal cords to sing some songs, but I'm ready to give my life to rearrange my schedule, to realize that all the things in this world will not ever heal and lead to the joy that only makes us whole on the inside. Only when we do that will people believe us when we say, come, let us go adore him. Come. If you told someone that you know this Christmas, just come with us. Come, let's just go. We're, We're learning how to worship. We're learning how to surrender. Come with us. Would they say, yeah, I need more of that. I need to learn that. In a minute, we're going to ask you to just sing this song. It's, oh, come all ye faithful. And it has these words. And this year, we're not going to ask you for much. I'm not going to ask you for money. I'm, not going to ask, I'm just going to ask you just to open up your heart. Let your guard down just a little bit. Maybe see for the first time that all of the people who have given you really bad examples of what it means to love Jesus are not the only example. And that if you stop there, sure, you'll have great excuses to always say no to God. But if you go with the Magi, they're in Bethlehem. They're in Bethlehem. In a place that is easy to think is insignificant. It's easy to think it doesn't matter. But it reminds us, because Bethlehem shows us that even if we bring God the smallest little bit of faith, He transforms the world with that. He does. He's doing it with Mary. He's doing it with the Magi. And the Magi are told, do not go back to Herod. Do not go back that way. Mary's also about to experience a surprise. She doesn't know that in a few weeks, maybe months, Herod will find out that the Magi never came back. And he will decide that he will kill all of the babies that are born at the age of when Jesus was born. She has some gifts that are going to help her a long way as her and Joseph begin to run. Do you know how far we are from be a good person and be nice to your neighbor at Christmas? If somebody told you that someday, they lied to you. We are so far from that. But we're on our way to Bethlehem. Because being nice and doing good things, anybody can do that. I know people who are atheists who can do that. But to be a Christian is to say that baby in Bethlehem, we have come to adore him. Because he's a king, and now we worship him because there's so much more that's happening. I'm going to have you stand as we sing the song, and then I'll be back to close. Joy. 
we hope that you remember Christmas 2023 as the year where you got serious about adoring and understanding Jesus more. And maybe that's still hard. You know a bit of the story better, but you're still struggling. We'd love to talk with you and encourage you and help. If you're here for the first time, again, we just want to say we're so thankful that you came. It takes a lot of courage to maybe visit a church. We pray most of all that maybe you've let your guard down just a little bit. Before you go, let me just pray for you. Jesus, thank you for the gift of this season and the reminder that you have many things to teach us the way you taught your earliest followers, that you were not just the new king of the Jews, but that you were so much more, more than they could have ever asked for. You came to heal them and to heal us and to restore our world, to call us to follow you and learn what it means to worship you with all of our lives. I pray for anyone in this room or anyone listening online who's struggling with that step. They've been hurt by the church, hurt by somebody, just struggling with questions of doubt, that like the Magi, that they would bring those questions, that they would keep walking, that you would give them the strength to not stop yet because you're not done with them and you're not done with us. We thank you that this is just the beginning of the Christmas season. And so we pray that you would go with us now and help us to be those people who would see in us that we are those who really worship and adore you as King. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Hey, everyone, thank you so much for being with us. God bless everyone. Love you. We love you all. Hey, on behalf of our elders and our staff, special Merry Christmas to you, safe travels, and in the new year in January, we're starting a new teaching series called About New Beginnings. If you can join us, it's that time to be with us. We'd love to see you. God bless everyone. See you soon.